When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to USA Football's Coach and Coordinator Podcast, where top football coaches from around the country share their stories, philosophies, concepts, and strategies to help you get better on and off the field. Now, here's your host, Keith Grabowski. Hey, coaches, before we get going today, I just wanted to thank you for all you've been doing to support this podcast, and we have an incredible lineup coming up here. We have just about every major college conference represented. We have a ton of FBS coaches, Division II coaches, Division III coaches, some great high school football coaches coming on the podcast to share with you and help you grow professionally during this time. I really appreciate all of you asking your questions on Twitter. Please follow me at Coach K Grabowski for our daily updates on our guests and your opportunity to ask questions. We will read them on the show and attribute those to you. Um, So please contribute to the show as much as you can. I also want to talk to you a little bit about our football development model, which is something we've rolled out here at USA Football. And this is really for you to uh, be able to help your youth football programs develop. It's about a long-term athlete development plan and something that comes off of the American development model, which is something that the USOC has put together. The idea is that we're able to teach skills in a progression starting at the youngest ages. We're also looking at the different game types we have, whether that's flag, which is non-contact, limited contact games like padded flag or tackle bar and full contact and the right progressions for contact teaching there as well. Be sure to check out all we do at footballdevelopment.com and check out what we're doing with the FDM, the football development model, at usafootball.com backslash fdm.usafootball.com. Welcome to the Coaching Coordinator Podcast. We are recording at USA Football's National Conference here in Louisville, and I'm excited to be sitting down with Brian Callahan, offensive line coach at Minnesota. Coach, I want to thank you for being here. Thank you for taking the time to sit down with me and uh, I just finished watching your, your presentation, so thank you for all you gave the coaches today. Uh, well, it's, it's a pleasure to be here and excited to represent Minnesota football, Coach Fleck, and, and uh, everything that we do and get out and uh, be able to share some of our thoughts with people. So, Coach, you know, before we get going into a little bit of, of you know, talking a little bit about the stretch play, uh, which you talked about today, wanted to talk just about your background. I know uh, you spent time at Akron because I think when I first called you, I'm like, 
it's a 3-3. Are you from yeah. uh, the Akron area? And he said, well, yeah, I coached at Akron. But, but talk to us, I guess, about, you know, just getting your start in coaching. Where was that? Well, it, it's funny, you know, as I'm a Chicago guy, I played at Eastern Illinois University. I played for a guy named Bob Spoo who, you know, I was in his first recruiting class, and, and he had a phenomenal staff. I mean, you know, Mike DeBoer was the O-line coach who was been a head coach. He just retired from Indiana, been in the NFL, et cetera. Dino Babers was the running back coach. Brock's back at Illinois State was, he was a D-line coach the first year. You know, Kit Cartwright's a guy that, you know, was at Michigan. And, and so he had a phenomenal staff. And so fast forward, you know, I got done playing, went, went back to Chicago, started high school ball. They called me, I went to EIU back to EIU as a restricted earnings and then I ended up working for Howard Schnellenberger for a year actually here in Louisville that was 94 season followed him to Oklahoma for the one year he was there but it was a great experience ended up you know went through a bunch of different jobs I don't know if we want to go through all that but but at the end of the day you know been you know fortunate I worked for some good people had some good experiences you know, it got hooked up with, you know, I went back to, I will say, I went back to East Illinois and I was with Coach Poo, his last run, you know, he retired and then Dino Babers came in mm-hmm. and I got to stay and got to work with Dino for a year. And I left Dino and got a chance to work with PJ and it's been phenomenal ever since, yeah. you know, in terms of, you know, we went to Western Michigan year one, we were terrible. You know, uh, we just started our row of the boat there, uh, you know, with the responsibility, trust and belief is the, the core values, but really it comes down to, like I said in our, our clinic talk, it's change your best on a daily basis. I think that's the key thing, and I think it's really it's really proven true in, in how we went from 111 to 13-0, going to the Cotton Bowl, lost to Wisconsin, and then on to Minnesota, and then obviously last year, uh, you know, we, we didn't get what we wanted in terms of the final results, right. but we had a great, great season. Right. So. With... Um you know, you, you guys have a unique culture. I mean, uh, around the country now, you talk to a football coach, you say row the boat, they know exactly who and where you're talking yeah. about. And, you know, with, with any culture that the head coach sets, I mean, he's really counting on the, you know, position coaches, coordinators, everybody else to, to make sure you're building that, you're executing that, and that that's getting all the way down to the players, everything. So as, as you look at, you know, your room and – you know, you as a teacher, I'm sure coach uh, allows you guys to have your unique way of getting things across to your players. Um, you know, what, what's the, I guess for you, to your O-line, um, you know, those messages that you get to be able to, to, to build on what's coach is doing with Row the Boat? Well, well I think that the big thing with it is, is really, is there's total alignment within the whole program, you know, so... Like everybody from the from uh, uh, the the people that clean up for us, through to the athletic director. Obviously, we work for Mark Coyle, but he buy he bought into it. And uh, really, I think at the end of the day, like I said, it's it's changing your best on a daily basis. And really, it's it's hard to play at Minnesota. It's it's hard to coach at Minnesota. It's hard to be the head coach because of that standard. And so, you know, it's not lip service. I think that's what happens when, you know, you go to a place like Minnesota that, that has a rich tradition and has had some success, but to, to go and win 11 games for the first time since 1904, right. that's a commitment 
that that we have really worked probably harder, smarter, better than we ever have as a program. And I mean our culture going from, you know, Western Michigan to Minnesota. And like with, with Coach Fleck, you know, PJ, he'll tell you, you know, you need you need you need elite culture, and it starts with that. And then you need you need elite coaching, and and in terms of how we develop our players, the scheme, you know, uh, our strength coach, our nutritionist, the the, the medical staff, all of them being in alignment. And then obviously it comes down to recruiting elite players. Mm-hmm. And like you said, it is unique. But we know this: every year there's going to be 25 guys out there that are going to want to buy into what we're doing. And as we go, we just continue to change our best. And that's where, uh, you know, a guy like Tanner Morgan, who came from, uh, you know, he's from Kentucky, you know, uh, and, and, you know, he did have some power five offers per se, but he was committed to us at Western Michigan. And he ends up, you know, winning the job, you know, uh, last year. And, I mean, he's changed his best. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's a phenomenal player for us. Yeah. And he's a great leader. Yeah. With you know, building your position. Certainly, you got to have the talent. But again, you last year we uh, had Coach Fleck here. He shared, you know, really an overview, good, good presentation on his his culture and all those things. That you know, you are looking for a certain type of character. Yeah. Uh, um, so, you know, building that group. I mean, what what is it? you do as the offensive line coach to to build your unit well at the end of the day you know you have to have certain physical characteristics you're not going to be in our room you know we're playing the big 10 in my mind one of the best conferences in the country Uh, but we want guys that are committed to to really reaching their fullest potential and then the other thing that's unique about being an offensive lineman is you got to be really tight and you got to be able to be five guys playing as one and and so in, in terms of our development and how we look at it, we, we, we really stress to our guys that, hey, we're all in it together and we got to continue to help each other. Uh, the younger guys are going to uh, be developed by the by the older guys. The older guys, they said that they're, they're the culture. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like you asked earlier, and I, and, and I probably specifically would say this is we echo the head coach's message, the the. You know, we have a big saying, and Coach Fleck talks about it all the time, is, you know, bad teams, no one leads. Average teams, coaches lead. Elite teams, players lead. And so, you know, we're at the point now where our players are starting to lead our group, and that's a lot easier for us as coaches. Now, you know, we're, we're, we're working on technique fundamentals, and it's, it's almost to the point now where it's running itself the culture is running itself. The expectations are there. They know what's they're accountable. They know what they're expected to do. There's there's no gray area with that. And like we talk about the accountability piece, I think is is misunderstood a lot in society because you're accountable for the good things you do. Mm-hmm. And that's where, you know, we're doing things and getting rewarded for those things, you know, and, and our players have bought into that. And, you know, we've got a unique situation in our uh, – where I've got all our starters back. We, we mentioned that we have really six starting offensive linemen at Minnesota, and, and we'll use those six throughout the course of a game and such. But those guys are now in the point where they're coaching younger guys. And that's really what I, I, it just makes it enjoyable. 
And we still, you know, we're gonna, those guys got to get better too. Yeah. But but that room, they got to be tight. They got to be. They got to believe in each other. They got to be willing to put in the work, yep. and do it. You mentioned six starting offensive linemen. Um, you know, I know you can get into some unbalanced sets and bring an extra guy in, but uh, talk to us about. Uh, about that, the six. You, you know, I'll be honest with you. It's amazing to me how, and it's the players. It's not me, mm-hmm. but it was really amazing how these guys. We kind of fell into it. Okay, um, what, what what we did is like I mentioned in my 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 talk is that we struggled up front in the first three games of the year, and then luckily we had a bye week before we started Big Ten season, and so you know Coach Fleck kind of gave us a day off to like kind of catch our breath. And I spent all day looking at all our film, you know, studying cut-ups and, and, and made a list of some things schematically that we had to do. And then we talked to, you know, each other, you know, as a staff in terms of how we could do things a little bit better. And we would just tweak things here and there. But as a group up front, we decided that we were gonna get good at, each individual was gonna get good at one particular thing. And as a whole, the unit, I would give us one focus you know, like for the week. And so as we got better, it really paid off as we as we progressed through and really ended up being pretty good that way. It, it, it really changed our best, mm-hmm. so to speak. So, you know, going, you know, I think it's been a really big part of our success with, with that group. Now, as the sixth O-lineman thing came about, we started to rotate one guy in after the bye week and Really, what he what, what happened was we just wanted to kind of keep our guys fresh, and then we said, okay, this is pretty good. And then we kind of got dinged up a little bit at tight end, and we decided, well, let's play one of our tackles as a tight end. And so we moved the guy in, and so we ended up it really kind of shuffled the deck. So, for instance, our center was kind of Rolson, but when we started playing the six old lineman. The, the original sixth man was our backup center, John Michael Schmitz. And so we moved him in, slid our, our center left guard, and then our left guard would go to left tackle, and then the, the original left tackle was the tight end. So it's kind of weird how that would go. And then we also kept the rotation going. Mm-hmm. And so we rotated across the board, except for really the, the left tackle. We didn't really take him out. We kept him in for the most part. Mm-hmm. So the left tackle, uh, Sam Sluter, uh, he stayed in. And then what happened was, okay, so we rolled John Michael Schmidt in. And for a series, the Connor Olson would go to left guard. And then we would take John Michael or John Michael out for a series, put him back in. And then we moved the right guard out. And then the center, Connor Olson, would go to right guard. And so really through the course of games, you know, uh, you know, like Blaze Andrews, the original left guard, he could play left tackle, right tackle, and left guard. The center, Connor Olson, would play center, left guard, right guard. So it's pretty crazy. And then our, our left tackle, you know, Sam Schluter, he would go from left guard to tight end where we, I'm sorry, left tackle to tight end wherever we needed him. So it's mm-hmm. kind of weird looking back at it. It's amazing how those guys could do all those things. It's crazy. Yeah. You know, and then, you know, there's just a bunch of different combinations. I'm sure I'm missing some, obviously, <laughs> with the, the way it played out. But, but you built 
I mean, you still had those other guys, those younger players you're working on, but you look at that, that game day guys ready right now so we don't fall off. You built depth with sick guys yeah. through doing it like Absolutely. That. You know, like, uh, I felt it was good, you know, like, you know, Daniel Fadalele, he, he, a lot of people know about him. He's from Australia. He's a right tackle. Biggest college football player, 6'8", 405 pounds, but a really, really good player. You know, giving him a chance to, to maybe take a break, watch things, helped him. Same thing with Curtis Dunlap Jr. Those are some guys that really helped us, you know, giving them a little break as they were younger players and then rotating in. But but uh, those six O-line starters, as we call them, we go into the year, and in our mind, we got six starting O-linemen. Mm-hmm. And we're just going to we're gonna just gonna keep rolling with it. Yeah. You know, and, uh, you know, we've used it for 12 personnel to put all six on the field at once, and it's worked out for us. And we do it in a short yards goal line. So there's a lot of lot of things that have come out about that. Yeah. So, Coach, the, the six-man then, you know, tell us a little bit more because, you know, I definitely understand that philosophy, but the mechanics of how that worked. You know, saying that we have six starting offense linemen, it, it really, we kind of fell into it. And so what had happened is, that, as I've mentioned before and, you know, all the clinic talks that we've had, that I've given, I should say, is, you know, we really struggled up front to start the year and when we took a, a um, you know we had a bye week and we looked at film and we felt like okay we got we got one individual his name was John Michael Smith he's our backup center and we thought that he earned playing time but he hadn't gotten any and we felt like okay well, let's plug him in and just take turns rotating some guys out and so after the bye week we would insert him and so Depending on how the situation was, we, you know, our left tackle is named Sam Schluter. We basically left him in and kept him in there. You know, our left guard, Blaze Andrews, he was a guy that was a swing tackle for us. So we would move him based on the rotation. Our starting center, Connor Olson, was a guy that had played a lot of guard. So we used him to fill in when John Michael went in, whichever guard we took out. And then, you know, our right guard, Curtis Dunlap Jr., was making his, that was his first year of being a true starter. And then Daniel Falalele, our right tackle, he, you know, he played a lot of football his true freshman year. But what we did is we felt like, okay, let's put John Michael in. He's earned it. And then we'll take out, say, Blaze Andrews. And so we moved Connor Olson. We put him back in there at, at left guard. So then, then we go back to the original starting lineup. Then the next time after a break, we put John Michael back in, but now we would take Curtis Dunlap out. And so Blaze would stand at left guard and then Connor would play, you know, right guard. And then we come, you know, after that series, we put the original five back in there. And then what would happen is, okay, the next time we take our starting right tackle out and move Blaze, our left guard to right tackle. John Michael would go back in the center and so Connor would fill in. And then the last thing we did is we said, well, we had a little bit of tight end injury situation, and so we would play our, our one of our, our left tackle played tight end last year in short yardage goal line, so we would put him in. And so at the end of the day, you know, John Michael played center, he was the sixth starting offense alignment, and then Connor Olson filled in between left guard, center, right guard, Blaze Andrews, who are starting left guard, he play either right tackle or he would play left tackle when we were in 12 personnel with our 
with Sam Schluter playing tight end. And then that's how all these guys mixed in there. And it's amazing. The course of a game, you know, like Blaze Andre, when we're, you know, he could have played left guard, left tackle, right tackle, based on the situation. If we're rotating a guy or if we're in short yardage, Sam Schluter would have played left tackle or either tight end spot. Connor Olsen would have played all three inside spots during the during the game. It was pretty pretty amazing to me, looking back how they handled it. I thought it was really a remarkable thing, and you know it's something that that gave us some diversity, you know, in, in, in terms of being able to keep our guys fresh, you know, giving our guys a chance to catch their breath and just see some things from the side and kind of go from there. Yeah, so. yeah. I know when I was coaching at PW, I mean my my. Uh, offensive line coach was always lobbying for can, can we have formations and personnel groups we get more of these guys in the game <laughs> he would put nine on the field if I gave him that opportunity yeah. but, you know it, when you look at it though and you guys are a good really good running team you know you need that interchangeability you need to have your best blockers on the field so if it means putting an extra tackle out there you're going to do it but having sat through you know your, your outside zone presentation a lot of probably being able to do that is it, it's also a scheme that's very friendly to be able to interchange your personnel that um, you know the the rules across the board the techniques the the combos etc uh, you learn it at one position it still applies if you move out or even out to a tight end um, you know the only difference is maybe one guy's got to put his his uh, hand through his legs with a football, being the center. Yeah. But you know, it's it's a, a scheme that you know. I mean, there's a lot of little nuance to it, and of course, you have to be detailed. But you know, it's, it's it is a pretty simple scheme. True. I mean, I, I felt like it really is an equalizer in, in some terms to how good a D line c- can be. You know, you know, when we went into the bowl game against Auburn. You know, Daniel was not playing in that game. And so, you know, we got creative a little bit on the goal line, did some true unbalance where we put two tackles on the side, working to get them involved. But, you know, I I felt like the outside zone play, like you said, it it, it marries to all the, you know, all the personnels, all the formations that we run, you know. So it's really been good that way with the diversity that it gets. Yeah. It marries exactly with our inside zone, which is our bread and butter. Right. And, uh, you know, just watching you guys this past year, the, you guys really did a nice job getting that outside zone play going. The, the play action off of it really, really uh, yeah. starts to help your run game too. No doubt. I mean, like, we ran it again, you know, the, the big touchdown that take the lead in the, in the outback bowl was uh, outside zone play action. And, you know, it's it, it just such a compliment you know it looks so much similar it's a different fit you know you get a little bit more time to get downfield on it because it's the run reactions forces the defense to play the run longer their transition to pass rush takes a lot longer than normal yeah you know and you know we're we're on audio so we're not gonna go through up how go through how every front is is blocked up and you know talk about all those um different things that probably work better on video or in a clinic, but uh, I do want to touch base on the different types of, of blocks and combos that you talked about here, that yeah. essentially those those building blocks of the scheme. Well, really, we talk about covered and uncovered principles, 
And then when you're covered, do you have help or do you not have help? So we have really the two types of reach blocks is, hey, if, I, if I'm covered and I have no help, I have a man reach, I know I don't have any help, so I'm a little bit tighter on my aiming point, you know, and then if, I, if I'm covered and I do have help, I can be a little bit looser on my aiming point. And then our uncovered guy, he's going to secure the play side gap, secure the defensive end or the D lineman that the covered guy is blocking on his way to a linebacker. And then we just work different combinations, you know, and based on the alignment of down lineman could affect how our covered guy's approach is. You know, if he's covered with a wide guy, we know it's probably not, he's probably not going to get leverage on it. So he'll, he'll still aim for that initial aiming point, but he'll stay on that angle and just basically run him out. If he's a tighter alignment, we work to capture him more and the ball could go outside. If we got an inside aligned guy, we know that the trail guy is most, most likely going to pick him up. And so we'll work a little bit more vertical with that covered guy's reach block as, a, as the uh, uncovered guy works to take over the down guy. Yeah, I, I liked how you defined, you know, man reach and, and his own reach. Yep. And really, you know, a lot of it is basically the fit, right? Where, yep. where, where are you putting your hands? Where's your aiming points? Talk to us uh, about the, the differences in those two. Well, when we have a man reach, we're basically going to the play side number, and we're going to put our hand, our backside hand on his play, on his short ribs, his inside short ribs. So we're going to strike that. We're going to have a heavy backside hand. We're working to, to just gain leverage, and obviously we'd love to knock him vertical if we can. Right. And um, we're going to just press that, press our hips up the field. If the guy is if the guy, if we do have a zone reach, now we can go wider. And so I got, I'm a little bit more apt to get my backside pad to the front side number, working to gain leverage on that. Now I'll have my, because my aiming point's wider, my footwork correlates to that. So now my second step should go to his crotch. Right. My second, my backside hand should go more down the stern of him. Of him. Okay, and then we're gonna, on the combination piece, as the trail guy goes, he's gonna go flat, and he's gonna work to see if that, clear that gap, so to speak. If there's something in the gap, can he take it over? Yes, he'll take it over, then the covered guy would climb. If he can't, he might knock it back onto, if the, there's color showing in his gap, but he doesn't think he can take it over, he'll knock, he'll knock the, uh, the, the color back onto the covered guy and then climb. Yeah. So that's the simplest way to put the the combinations in this setting. Yeah, you know? definitely. And, and, you know, sometimes we, we look at things and maybe oversimplify it, but I think it's very important to understand that those aiming points are very necessary. Like, I heard you talk about it, right? You don't want the negative plays. The negative plays in the run game, that, that'll kill our, a drive. Our whole philosophy at Minnesota has been to eliminate negative plays. And I sound, it sounds kind of poor, but if you stay on schedule, you got a chance to be very successful. Right. You know, you know, uh, uh, I, I forget exactly who said it, but more football games are lost than won, and that's a that's a, a really really important thing to think about as a coach is avoid losing first. Yeah. You know, I think Jim McKenzie was the guy that said that old Oklahoma coach before mm -hmm. Barry Switzer, and. Uh, 
you know, to me, that's kind of our approach on offense. We're going we're gonna to eliminate the negative plays. And zone football has been very good to us that way. You know, like I said earlier, our bread and butter has been the inside zone. It's a, it's a really tight play. And so the ball gets downhill really quick. So that in and of itself eliminates negative plays. Right, right. So. And, and on the stretch, though, I mean, you know, you do have this chance. If you do some – if you don't understand the, the details that have to go into it and coach them up, uh, you will end up with it. So if if your guy executes a zone reach when he should be on a man reach, he's opened up that lane. You know, it's all about where he's putting that hand, right? right? You want to be right. on the short ribs because yeah. it really eliminates that penetration. At, at the end of the day, you're exactly right. Like, you've got to know those. Like, to me, though, the, almost the worst scenario is when a guy should be zone reaching and he man reaches because now he gums it up. Mm-hmm. He's going really tight on that defensive lineman, and then the trail guy's working to take it over, but now he can't, it, it clogs it up, right. and then typically we don't get get through to the backer that way. And, uh, you know, you got to secure the line of scrimmage first, hands yeah. down. Yeah. You know, like, like I, I know this, uh, you know, getting to the second level is hugely important. We want to block everybody. But you better take care of the down lineman first. And so, to me, as I looked at our cutoffs from this year, I think that we got to really get those details down in terms of, hey, do I have a reach? Uh, I mean, do I have help? I got a, a zone reach. If right. I don't, I got a man reach. Right. And it makes a big difference. And you know what I like about you know this this system, right? This this play is is really it's about being it. There's a system of all these things that fit together. Is it starts with how you ID it, right? And it's a very simple way to do it. But that ID then really lets your guys understand what am I doing? Am I right. am I getting help or not? So right. do I have to be a man reach or a zone reach? And right. then everything else builds off of that. Yeah, you know, like in a, in in our circumstances, we we give our center different rules based on the scheme and what we do and. You know, he knows, hey, if we have this, we're going to ID it this way. And then everybody builds off of that. He sets the whole scheme, really. Mm-hmm. And I think that's probably common in a lot of places. Right. But he has the freedom to ID, as you said, you know, based on, you know, different factors. Whereas, you know, sometimes we're going to ID a fir- the, the play side linebacker. Sometimes it's a linebacker that's head up, you know, to him. Sometimes it's a backside linebacker based on whatever the, the scheme calls for. Right. And so from there, it really, okay, the backside will find, okay, who's the first guy behind that? Mm-hmm. And then it fits into our uh, play actions right. also. Right. So it's yeah, really You, you it's made really, an important point during, that, during your talk, because uh, you were sharing your calls. You said, I don't, I don't care, you, yeah. you can know them because you're gonna hear the same thing in the past. Right. That communication system is important because over the course of the game, you 60, 70, 80 snaps, whatever it might be. Those defensive linemen. They're going to hear the same calls for both inside zone, both outside zone, both the play actions. You know, we have inside zone play actions. We got outside zone play actions. So I really don't care. You know, I don't want to, like, say them out loud in terms of, like, a like this setting, right. you know, I still want people to kind of have to work, and, <laughs> and you know, and then up front they do make their own calls from time to time. Like they'll make their own individual little tweaks on it, just yeah. to, especially when you're in like spring ball and such. Yeah, exactly. You know, people know what you're doing and such. <laughs> right. Um, I liked your your combos too. Again, a couple variations of the, the combos that you were going to use. Uh, talk us to, through those those two. 
just the, the combinations yeah. in terms of well you're, you know you're like the trail yeah yeah you're, like we yeah. really work hard on combinations I mean but that that becomes like that's where you kind of got to get a feel for how each defense is subtly different mm-hmm. you know you kind of have a base way of teaching it but then okay how is that defensive end gonna attack a reach block how is that defensive tackle gonna attack attack, attack a reach block where does a linebacker typically on outside zone how do they like to do they flow fast do they kind of read a little bit then go do they try and play downhill do they backdoor you and then we just as we as we scheme the the opponent we're gonna practice according to what they do you know are they a big penetrating team are they a read team all that affects how you teach those combinations and so you got to give those them their different looks so they're prepared to handle it and that's where you know you want to have okay a base we teach concepts big time at Minnesota and so you want them to have the concept down but then as you approach it how does it change per the you know the individual opponent you're playing that week and then and also sometimes within a, a defense an opponent might be a little bit different than you know, an individual defensive lineman might be different than some of the other guys on his own team. Mm-hmm. So you kind of work on that. Like, you know, it, it, that shows up in particular in pass protection yep. more than, than anything else. Yeah. Like this guy's, a, you know, runs a rip, et cetera. What, what I like about the way you run the outside zone, you know, so, some people run like a, a stretch play. I mean, they're, we're just going to run off the ball. Um, but, you know, yours is predicated on we're going to stop level one before we get to two. So an uncovered guy, he can put a hand in yeah. and really help so that other guy can, can take no it doubt. over. And, and you no know, doubt. watching the, the clips, I mean, uh, very clear that that's an important uh, technique yeah. within the scheme. Yeah, we really, we really want to secure the line of scrimmage before we get to the linebackers. And, you know, there's times where those guys on the second level, they're going to miss tackles. They're going to fit it wrong themselves, and but if we can't if we can't eliminate penetration one, and then we want to get knocked back, and we want to knock them back on an angle, but if they if we don't secure the line of scrimmage, we got no chance. Right. You know, no chance. Right. And you know, we're looking at um, you know that that uncovered guy again stretching out to uh, another guy, and you have that linebacker over the top of it. And I mentioned to you before we got going, when we were running the stretch, that the first thing we learned is people started to scheme us up, so they were going to just run. As soon as let us commit to, to running on that level one and then come right off of us. Yeah. And, and you know, yeah. so it hurt us till we figured out, okay, you got to have an eye over there. Yeah, it's very difficult to, to do it because you're telling that trail guy to really secure his play side gap, but he's still got to kind of keep his inside eye and see a flash of color and then adjust back to it. And it's kind of anytime we get that backdoor line, not necessarily backdoor, but run through linebacker, we got that, you know, it's that old saying, somebody's band is going to play. Yeah. He's either exactly. going to freaking get through there, right. make the play, or he's going to be behind it and we're going to run past it. And, <laughs> you know, it's a, but it's, it's a difficult part of the play. You know, if, if you, 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 the more you see that, the more you got to be aware of it. It probably slows your trail guy down a little bit, which now you're a little bit softer on on taking over the down guy if you need to. Yeah, but I agree with you. It is one of those things that um, if 
your go, guys go out and execute. And, and our coaching point after that one particular week became have eyes for the run through. So as yeah. they were going, they were they you know they knew where that guy was. Yeah. But but you're right. It just takes They're one taking time, a chance. one time and gas, and you you handle it right. Yeah. It and will then disappear. his coach is going to be, what are you doing? You got to you know like. <laughs> I've never coached defense, but I'll tell you what, I think sometimes it's, it's you know, they're taking a chance when they do it. Yeah, yeah. And, then, and if it happens too soon, at the, at the end of the day, like we talked about, our base rule at the snap of the ball, you have play side gap. Yep. So if an uncovered guard is working with the tackle and his linebacker at the snap of the ball, like blitzes right through that A gap, that center is probably going to get him because that center, as he goes to reach the nose and the nose disappears, Hey, play side gap. Yes. You know, but it's that's just for a split second, mm-hmm. and then we're back onto the combinations. Exactly. You yeah. know, so that's kind of the cover all, but it ain't like the old days when I first started coaching. Where we'll just run a track. We don't do that. No, no, you, you can't do it that way. It, it's tough. It's tough to teach it that way. I think especially to to the high school kids, it's gonna look like a mess. You yeah. know, if you, you teach it that way, and you know the. The, the beauty of the play, and, and I can remember back to it is, you know, teams would start to to try to use shifts on us. They, you know, they thinking they're they're screwing up our calls or something like that. And you know, I remember our young lineman at first being frustrated. I said, guys, you your calls at this point now they're they're a little bit of yeah. just uh, they move at the last second. Yeah, you just got to you, you guys know five guys this. playing it yeah. as one, and then they just. You know, that's what's amazing about, like, there's the one play on there uh, where uh, they rocked a, a three inside, rocked a five inside. We didn't have a three-man zone call on, right. but they just, it, it, it was a happening, as we like to say, where they, through repetition and through exactly. just knowing the reactions, they were able to zone it off and get to the backer. Yeah. You know, but those things, I mean, like you said, you know, things happen, like nobody lines up and plays base. I don't care who we're playing. I don't care who, you know, we could be playing LSU who won a national championship. They ain't going to play base. You know, they're going they're moving all the time. They're st- you know, so you got to be able to handle the reactions and that comes from the repetitions of those combinations yeah. and what we talk about. Yeah, so. as we were, you know, walking in here, we stopped and talked to to Matt Drinkle at Army and you know, he brought up the point of you know the teams that, that are, are having success and doing things well. There's, they're in a lot of ways they're very simple, and I no think doubt. that's 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 part of this. You know, in having coached the scheme, like you invest in it, right? No How doubt. did you get those guys to block? You know, when they're rocking back like that, because we didn't dabble in this. We we're not gonna, we're yeah. not gonna run a thousand different things, and 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 we're gonna get good at what we do, and we're, we, our objective is to do what we do better than what you do. And then hopefully you have to change and adjust. And if, and then we have our little wrinkles as everybody sure. does to handle the little. You know, you do A, we're going to do B. Right. And that's how we our approach to offense has been, and that's how we believe it's going to continue. You know. Yeah. The the last part of it, which I like too, is is um, the backside and how to handle that because you can get all kinds of funky things going on there. But yeah. again, simple approach to it with some simple rules. You know, I watch clip after clip where your guys saw different things but handled it because they had some good rules in yeah. place. Yeah, it all comes down to concepts, Yeah, you know, because we, at the end of the day, there's times where, like, this happened to two teams, two teams we played this year did things differently than they had shown on film, dramatically different, and if we didn't teach concepts, 
and we just practiced looks and, hey, they're going to line up like this, we wouldn't know how to handle it. And so that's where I think the concept piece comes into play. And it's just keep repping it, repping it, repping it. I do want to mention, because uh, you mentioned him in there too, the, the running back is very important. It's, that's a guy who's got to be on the same page with you yep. guys. He has to understand how these things are going to open up. has to be patient in a lot of yep. ways too and get on his track. Yep. But the basic coaching points that you need out of that guy to make the play successful. Well, like to me, you know, our running back coach, Kenny Burns, he teaches his own plays as good as anybody I've been around. And, uh, you know, really it, it, it's a progression. He's going to glance to see what the edge looks like, kind of get a pre-snap determination yes. of what the, the what it looks like. And then he's it's really a progression read. He's going to take a – once he gets the ball past the center, he's aiming really one by one from the tight end, and he's going to take a slight downhill angle. And if he can stay on that angle, he's going to stay on that angle. If that angle – if, if the, the DN winds or if the D-gap is closed, he'll go C-gap, B-gap. A gap, and I think we even had one that went behind the backside guard on the on, on the study or on the video that we showed. But really, it, it's a progression read. Something crosses his face; he's getting vertical. I mean, yeah, I, I really think that they have to mirror our tempo. They have to mirror yes. our, you know, their footwork has to put them in relationship to what what we do. And we have really tinkered with it from last year to this year and I think we're we'll continue to work on it as we go it was something I, I think back to that when we were training our running backs early on we, we didn't have our own film of course so we're using some other people's film but we wanted to show them about those tracks and about that this could actually come behind the center on some yeah. place but the spot. once you understand yeah. like here I'm gonna put a mark on this field right here yeah it's and I'm gonna, play side I'm gonna go, tight end to, even though it's a yeah, backside guard or it was whatever. all the way out there I yeah said, yeah it Look at where he is on the field. It's though. not really a cutback no, at all, even though you could go behind him. I right. know exactly what you're saying. I mean, that spot or that location is it's just based on as we make the defenders defend their gaps, somewhere the stretch stops, and sometimes it's, you know, we stop a back, the backside guard might cut it off, and it goes inside the center, it might, you know, or behind the center, I should say. You know, it, you know it's gone everywhere, really. Yeah. Because you look at it again, that guy is going to be on his track actually quite a while on this play, even if he's going behind. So, we, again, we get, you get caught in clinic talk, and so yeah. everybody talk about, oh, it's a, a, a you know, bend it, bang it, bounce, or whatever, yeah. you know. Yep, yep, yep. But yep. It's, it's actually, you know, it's, not, you don't bend it back. Nah. <laughs> and when you – you got to be careful of the language you use. No so doubt. kids understand. That's one thing I think Coach Flex really good at is we really use a lot of buzz terms to, to, to teach our guys. And, you know, we might have one word that explains, you know, a, a detailed technique. And, you know, you don't have time necessarily to do those things. So, like you said, you know, you really got to be careful what you tell players. You know, and, and, and every year I really feel like that's what helps – as a coach, as you look at your film, how am I teaching it? What am I saying to them? How can I teach them better? At the end of the day, we got to be elite teachers, mm -hmm. you know. And, and and to me, that's you know, I do a lot of self-searching on okay, how am I teaching? I am old school. I get my notes out. I'll write up my notes, you know, and and I'll I'll continue to, to revise as I go. And how can I teach it better? How can I make these guys understand things better? You know, because at the end of the day, they're especially on the O line. They're an extension of me in terms of what I think, and if they execute it the way I want them to, you know, we're, we're gonna we're gonna have a chance to be yeah, successful. Exactly. So, 
Coach, you shared a lot of great detail with us here on on uh, the outside zone play, and you know, you talked to us about the culture and everything. But you you look at what you do as a coach, right? And I'm not talking necessarily just like scheme here or whatever. When you look at you as a coach, what's the one thing you do that really gives your guys the winning edge? Well, I mean, I I, I think the biggest thing that I want to do, and I don't know if it gives them the winning edge, but like I want them to know I truly care about them as a yeah. person first. Yeah. You know, like you know, I've coached for a long time. I think this is going to be my 29th year. I have never done it for the money. I've not, you know, there's a lot of jobs that I didn't make a lot of money, and I'm going to tell you right now, I did it for the relationships, both the, the players to, to that I've coached, working with the other coaches, you know, and that's what makes this game the best game out there is, you know, uh, you know, it's just the relationships that you have that you develop through the years. You know, football has a place for everybody. You know, it, it, it's brought many different people from tons of different backgrounds, uh, you know, different body types. I mean, I got a 408-pound guy on my O-line, and I, I'm not sure who our smallest guy is, but he's probably about 160 pounds. And so to me, that's really, you know, uh, you know, we got all different types of religions, all different types of financial backgrounds yeah. in terms of, and that, that, to me, I don't know if that, that answers it, but yeah, I want sure. my players to know I care about them first. You know, because I, I still believe it, you know, they don't care what you know if you, they don't know how much you care, really. Exactly. And uh, to me, that's been a big part of why I do what I do. Yeah, so. well, you know, I, I, I don't necessarily consider myself a, a, like a, a fan in the football space. I mean, there's, you know, the, the teams I grew up with, I follow them, but then I follow uh, coaches. I become a fan of coaches. I've just always done that, even when I was young, and, and I really enjoy watching what you guys are doing and and how you've taken it you know a lot of times you see somebody have success at one place and then it it, it falls apart yeah. but you guys uh, just have done a great job staying the course and I know I know for you guys as historic as this season might have been there's more to come we're gonna keep changing our best and keep rolling the boat and get it going so coach I appreciate your time and uh, best of luck to you and the, and the gophers here in 2020 thank you Keith appreciate it Coaches, again, I want to remind you of what we're doing with the football development model. Please push this down to your youth coaches. I think this is a great way for you to get some organization and structure beyond what you've already done. Uh, check it out, all of our, our program development for youth football at fdm.usafootball.com. Again, check out our systems for blocking, tackling, and defeating blocks at footballdevelopment.com. If you register with your email, you get your choice of three free videos. There's some great things in there. I think things that as you get going again, you can get into the summer and maybe make up on some things that you might have lost if you had a spring ball, if you had time here in the spring to work on football. Some great drills for all those phases of contact. If you're enjoying the podcast, please have it over to iTunes or your platform and give us a five-star rate. If you have a minute, write a review. We really appreciate it, and we will read your review on our highlight show that we do at the end of the week.